In this episode of 2000 Books, Jim Lehrer shows us how building character drives higher achievement and greater fulfillment in business and in life. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Dr. Jim Lehrer is a world-renowned performance psychologist, co-founder of the Johnson & Johnson Human Performance Institute, and author of 16 different books. Dr. Lehrer has worked with hundreds of world-class performers from all areas of life, sports, business, medicine, law enforcement, including Fortune 100 executives, FBI hostage rescue teams, military special forces, Olympic gold medalists, and Wimbledon champions in the areas of peak performance. Today, we're talking about his awesome book, The Only Way to Win. Jim, I'm really excited to have you back on the show and talk about this, so welcome. Thank you, Manny. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Now, let's talk about this book. What was the genesis of this book? Why did this book come about? When did this come about? The last decade of my life has been devoted to something that I have witnessed. After you've been around a long time, you begin to see patterns, particularly patterns in people's lives, what happens to... I've worked with athletes, then I've worked with their children, and I've actually seen what's happened to those people in the course of their lives. I have had an opportunity to, and now even their grandchildren in some cases. And what I've been particularly interested in is what is the role that the spiritual dimension plays in a person's life in terms of happiness, health, and performance. And that spiritual dimension for me is actually characterized best in terms of character. Mm -hmm. Who you are in terms of your values, your beliefs. And most people don't really think about character that much because we all know it's important, but we really don't know what to do about it. So I decided to invest a decade of my life in researching what has been around for thousands of years mm -hmm. and really collect data here at the Institute. We have thousands of people go through the program every year and track them for a decade and look at the impact that character has on the most important dimensions of their life, their, their happiness, their health, and their ability to sustain high achievement for long periods of time. And it's been uh, by far the most rewarding part of my career. I've been the most excited about this, and I'm sure I will continue this until my last breath. But I feel like this is the most fertile ground for individuals to, you know, find a sense of connection to the world and to something that actually is going to sustain them in a way that nothing else does. I noticed that in this book, you talk, you take a lot of inspiration from John Wooden, the legendary basketball coach. Exactly. So I had to go and get a copy of his book just to learn what he was trying to say. So, you know, I've been reading this lately, this classic, amazing book. For all of you listeners, it's just called Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations and Reflections on and Off the Court. So let's jump into the book. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the process here that you've laid out, which is starting with the mission statement and then going into the character scorecards and building the scorecards and designing a life around those things. So what's the process here? What's the first step? What's the importance of the mission statement and the life statement? Tell us about it. Well, first of all, you know, we're all chasing achievement. Everybody wants to achieve and we want to be successful. And so we began to realize that there are, there are two things that are important here. One of them is what you achieved, which goes on your resume. And we all love to have big resumes. These are all the things that we've accomplished in our lifetime. And the more we kind of told, the greater the achievements, 
the happier we'll be, the more successful we'll be, the better character we'll have. It's how we develop into extraordinary human beings. That is a false assumption again. What we looked at was achievement does not guarantee anything. But the other issue that's more important than what you achieved is the path you took to achieve it. It's how you got there. Who did you become as a consequence of the chase? And we're all becoming something. Uh, In life, we're all trying to find a way to nirvana, and we love to take the shortest path possible. So we're all looking for shortcuts. And in sport, the sports pages are filled with people who fell from grace, whether it's Lance Armstrong or Tiger Woods or anyone else. They didn't fall because they didn't have great achievements. They fell because something on the moral and ethical side was not solidly in place, that that character dimension somehow did not, they weren't able to hold the line. And that there are many ways to win. There are many pathways to winning. But this book is about the only way to win is to win with character. And the only way to lose is to lose with character. What you were saying in this grand scheme of things, most of us are just enamored by achievement. We're enamored by the final outcome, the arrival. When we arrive there, then we'll be happy, then we'll be fulfilled, then everything will line up. And of course, it's a topic for the ages. You know, Buddha has been talking about it. And for as long as we can remember, the world has been involved with this idea of trying to understand, even though maybe an intellectual side of us knows that that is the truth, that arriving there will not get us what we want. Somehow we're still trapped in that thinking, in that in that feeling that only if I get there will I be able to be happier be more fulfilled or be more something else and what you're saying is it's all in the journey not necessarily in the destination so how do we how do we reconcile that for a lot of people because there is that feeling that whatever I'm doing I'm trying to get somewhere well society does a phenomenal job at conditioning the way we view what real success is you know success is defined in terms of money and status and fame status, uh, in terms of power, in terms of privilege. So many of the things that society deems as the scorecard for success, when we look at the research community and we look at this, they really don't really provide the kind of happiness and fulfillment in any direct way. They can become addictive, but they leave people with a sense of emptiness. They can chase their whole lifetime and never feel like that really, they didn't, is this all there is? They really didn't give them what they'd hoped they'd get, even though they were quite, quote, successful by society's scorecard. So what we started looking at was what does give people a sense of, you know, real fulfillment and satisfaction in life? And it all came back to character. Mm-hmm. And this is the part that really kind of shocks people. But character ultimately, in my judgment, is the highest form of personal health. And that is defined by how you treat others. What we've learned is that your treatment of others in terms of kindness and gratefulness and warmth and love and caring and compassion There is a return for that that is priceless. And to the extent that you lose those in the chase to be successful, you kind of lose the ground that actually supports a great life. So you can be quite successful and you can really ravage people. You can treat people very Mm -hmm. badly. You have arrogance. You have impatience. You have... A very, very poor connection, engagement with others, but you drive, you're very intelligent, you can drive a lot of business success and a lot of money flowing in from various sources. But what we're learning is, is that there are two kinds of character. One is what we call moral and ethical character, which defines the way your rules of engagement for how you connect to others, how you deal with other human beings. Performance character defines all those 
strengths, those muscles of character that help you become a great achiever. And they're all about you. So determination and motivation and fight and spirit and persistence. Great entrepreneurs have a boatload of those. They, uh, they have to be focused and it's all about the skills you need for you to be successful. The moral and ethical character strengths define something very different. They define a code, your rules of engagement for how you treat others. And what we've learned is the research on this just lights up like you can hardly imagine in terms of helping people feel like they are contributing to something bigger than themselves and that if they make money, it really isn't the end game. It's actually something that is actually contributing, whether it's a Bill Gates or someone else who has a lot of money, the greatest joy they get is not in actually getting it and spending it on themselves, but actually contributing and making the lives of others better. So a person who goes and just commits themselves to being successful, but kind of leaves this wake behind them of kind of a sea of bodies that they've kind of walked over. They've never really treated with much dignity and respect. They've taken as many shortcuts as they could. They've, and maybe in some cases, cheated their way. They've falsified records. They've done things to make sure that they have achieved the success, the financial success they've wanted, but they put themselves, their brand, their legacy in serious peril. And it also undermines their own sense of value and ultimately compromises the things that they value most. And that is not obvious. There are lots of ways to get to the top, and you can get there very quickly by taking shortcuts. Mm -hmm. But then what we've looked over time, the thing that actually differentiates the great companies, the great entrepreneurs, is that they hold a very high standard for how they treat others. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in their moral and ethical connections to the people they serve, to their fellow employees, to the people who buy their products, they have a warmth, a caring about other people that's very tangible and very palpable. And those are, for us, that's, for me, the most exciting area of exploration. We've looked at everything all the way back, you know, from Plato to Aristotle and Socrates. But what's really, for us, quite interesting is there's an enormous amount of research now being done, let's just say, on the issue of kindness. Kindness. I have just put 156 citations that come from referee journals on the role that kindness plays in everything from healing to happiness to well-being to productivity to sustainability. And these pretty much unknown people, because it's kind of crept up on us over a 10-year period, when you look at the research collectively, it's like it almost knocks you down because something so simple as kindness is actually the precursor of all these other strengths of character from gratefulness to compassion. And then there are traditions in Buddhism and other forms of religion that those were the core elements, compassion and kindness. But until the research community could identify what the substrate is in kindness, which is oxytocin, which is a peptide with nine amino acids, and they now can artificially create that and put an intranasal form of that and then measure the impact of that on trust, on reducing stress levels, and, and so forth. That We're now beginning to get a really good understanding of how powerful these moral and ethical strengths are. And my positioning now is that we should be focusing more on that, on the way in which we compete, as opposed to what we're doing, and making sure that whoever we're becoming as a consequence of the chase 
aligns with our deepest purpose and values, and then you can't lose. Absolutely. Uh, now, as you as you pointed out, there's so much research now that shows how these different character traits, these values of gratitude and kindness and uh, loyalty, or all these different things, they act uh, they act on our bodies in waves that create or they they make the secretion of certain hormones or whatever we call it possible. And over time, that makes our lives much better. Forms the bedrock of what we would say is a strong, fully functional, happy, dynamic human being. And if you take that out, you get nothing but ultimately chaos and disorder because there's no real value in your intersection with others. We are social human beings. And we believe, for instance, oxytocin has been around. Even it helped to, to maintain the dinosaurs as 500 million years ago because it's a bonding agent. And it helped the adult population to bond with the young long enough for them to survive. And it's, it's a, an enormously important part of team building, of trusting others, and actually a part of the strength uh, portfolio that people have that help them build uh, dynamic companies. And you can't do it if you're just running roughshod. You're a great recruiter, but you don't give a damn about the people. You never did care about them. What you cared about was the money and the success that this would bring to you personally. Absolutely. Uh, I was just recently reading the story of Howard Schultz and the founding of Starbucks and the fact that he went away and then came back to the helm of Starbucks. And what he found was that the brand was getting diluted because they did not have the same connection with their customers. The coffee was, the quality was not the same. And the value for the human aspect of the business was gone the way he did not anticipate, did not want it to be. For him, it was really important to be kind to the employees because that's what he had seen happen to his father. That's the secret ingredient. That's the secret sauce that connects to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, Starbucks stock has soared ever since he's come back. But uh, just just a little story in this whole thing. Now, let's go into the book. Let's talk a little bit about how to go about using character. How to you about building character and making it a part of our day-to-day lives and aligning it with ourselves. Most people aren't aware of the value, the power that something uh, just doing, uh, you know, random acts of kindness, building the kindness muscle. They're unaware of the importance of gratitude. Mm -hmm. There are some researchers like John Emmons who spent a whole career doing nothing but researching the power of gratitude in people's lives. And when you look at that, I mean, it's like, it's a pretty amazing testimony to how we're wired. And uh, so there's an awareness that these are really important in our lives. And then once we know that they're important, just like if you know your bicep or your tricep is important, if you want to build those muscles, all you have to do is invest energy in them. Before going to that part, let's let's quickly talk about how to identify the character traits that we want to build upon, how to figure those out with by aligning with our life's mission or purpose or whatever it is. What's the simplified version of the process there? We go a lot more detail in the book, but just simplified version. Well, first of all, we have you go to this very special place where you're trying to, again, reconnect to your sense of purpose in life and who... Do you most want to be when it's all said and done? And one of the things that we've used that others probably have used, but it's a very powerful tool, is to actually create your eulogy and actually create the tombstone that and what will be on that tombstone when it's all said and done that if it were true, what would you like to have said about you, that you were Harvard graduate, that you have uh, two MBAs, that 
you know, um, your resume you had so many, you know, 160 articles published in research journals, you know, on and on and on and on and on. You made $4 million in the last two years. Is that what you want on your tombstone or what would you like? What would you like? Most people, when they, upon reflection and their sense of value and purpose, they'd like to be known for someone who cared about others, who had great integrity, who um, showed compassion and warmth and was really about helping the world become a better place and was not all about themselves, that they had a much bigger vision for the role they could play and it had very little to do with the success of their lives but the success of lives that they could help with. And when they get into that space, they start absolutely articulating these nuggets of character that have never really surfaced that clearly in their lives before. And then once those are out there, and this, these are the things that they want to be known for, and we ask them, but where is all your energy going? Is your energy going into becoming a successful this or that, or is it going into becoming a loving, caring, warm father who has um, uh, an unbelievable capacity for engagement and inspiration for his family members. And so these words come up, and then we, we treat them as muscles, just like these are muscles of the physical body. These are muscles of character, and they respond in exactly the same way. They respond to energy investment. And once people know who it is they want to be, then they can chase. And like we have a tennis academy here for kids. And every single day they repurpose all of the demands and stress of elite tennis to build character muscles that will, that will be kind of their hallmarks moving forward in their lives. And these are nine-year-old kids, ten-year-old kids. And every day they go out and they identify a character strength that they'd like to work on, and then they put it in their journals, and their coaches talk about them, and they'll take maybe a bad line call or a very bad loss to someone they shouldn't have lost to, a tough tournament, whatever the heat, um, the, you know, they have a splitting headache, whatever it is, and they repurpose it in a way that will help them to build patience, help them build uh, respect for others, sportsmanship, and these kids go on and become extraordinary competitors. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, I could give you time and time again where, you know, so often we think of kindness as a weakness. It's actually a massive strength, and it's, um, it's the antithesis of weakness. Kindness is one of the hallmarks of, and we've got so many examples of that, where uh, we have, again, we are completely misguided in our notion that these gratefulness and kindness are soft and they're signs of weakness. It's absolutely the opposite. But we, uh, we have you focus your energy on developing these muscles and we have you write about them. A lot of the things we learned that's described in the power of story and uh, even in the powerful engagement, we are used in the service of building character muscles and to help kids develop their sense of mission and purpose and they want to be when it's all said and done it's hair raising it's like this is what kids love to do they want to become better human beings but no one ever talks to them about this stuff and with our executive training i deal with some of the most powerful executives on the planet 
and they are so excited to learn there is a way to identify these, to understand what they really mean in their lives, and a specific way to train for them. So what we're saying is you start with the eulogy, you start with the tombstone, you, you come up with the best self of yourself, you figure out what are the character traits you want to build in your life over time, identify those, and then, well, what I call something similar to what uh, Ben Franklin used to do in his life, which is every week of a year he used to work on one of the values. I'm not sure if you've read his biography. He talks about I yeah. have. So uh, similarly, we're talking about the idea of every week we're working on one character trait to improve on that character trait again and again and again. Exactly. We we work on it intentionally. We maybe this week we're going to work on gratefulness, mm-hmm. and we figure out ways to feed that muscle. Um. And then the next week we work on, you know, respect for others. Mm-hmm. And we show examples of how we did that. Maybe random acts of kindness on the court. How could you do this to actually make something happen um, to uh, fellow competitors? And we've learned that it's actually contagious. You start doing it. Other kids start doing it. And it's actually you start building a culture where this, it could be Starbucks. It could be anywhere. But it's actually because you place a high priority on how one is treating others. And most importantly, people that can't come back at you. It's like you are, who are you when no one is watching? And uh, with those people that have no power over you whatsoever, you'll treat your boss with kindness and appreciation and gratefulness. But how about all the people below you that will never ever let, how about the people who clean your office or the people who, are your valet drivers or whatever, what, what is the connection you have with them? And what we're saying is that might be a more accurate reflection of your real character than uh, how you treat your boss because that mm-hmm. really is not a very good indication. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about competition and achievement in hand-in-hand with character building. Somehow we have this disconnect in this world where we say, well, you can go and build character, but then you may not be able to achieve or accomplish the very best but here you are you're running a tennis training institute you are training people to be the very best in the world to be some of the most competitive I mean, competition is a really important part of being a sportsman so how do we how do we reconcile these two thoughts the idea of on the one extreme is competition and winning and winning no matter what and giving your very best the other extreme is building character and being kind towards others being generous towards others being you know grateful can we do only one or the other or that's the flawed thinking and that's why the book the only way to win it's about winning we're all about winning here Mm -hmm. but there's a way to win and that winning uh with character actually makes you feel better about yourself you have more confidence you don't feel like you've you know, just kind of laid the landscape bare in your efforts to, uh, you cheat your way to success, you trash talk your opponents, you might be able to get a leverage in a, in a way to win more there. But we've learned that if you control what you can control and you actually be the person you want as you chase these extraordinary goals, what happens is People can't get to you. And in fact, you become much more comfortable in yourself. You don't choke as much. You understand that loss, a loss does not, is not the end of the world. What's more important is who you became as a consequence of this, you know, 
loss to someone that really wasn't as good as you are. And so you repurpose it to actually build more strength of character, more patience in yourself, more determination, and more focus. So there is a, there's kind of an esprit de corps that you develop. But this is we, it's just like the San Antonio Spurs when uh, they beat uh, Miami, the Miami Heat. Their whole season, they had the theme was selflessness. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really, really made that work at every practice, every time they got together, every time they were in a tough situation, they thought of selflessness. And that catapulted, as Greg Popovich and the rest of the team would argue, that's what enabled us to beat the Miami Heat, who had arguably much more talent. But we worked together and we were selfless. And we were selfless because we made that our number one muscle for the team and it bonded everyone together. So let's take another example of this guy that we all very well know, Michael Jordan, extreme competitor. He used to get a lot of uh, excitement from competing and from people who would say, you cannot do this. People who would put him down, the naysayers, they used to drive him. He used to get a lot of uh, extrinsic motivation, if you will, from that. Now, how do you reconcile that? We can argue but he is probably one of the greatest basketball players to have ever played the game. Was what he doing, how do we put it all in place here? Like, what was he doing that was okay in terms of character? And what was he doing that was maybe questionable? Okay, so first of all, I've never, never spent any time with Michael Jordan. So I don't know how his his head worked. I only saw him from a distance. There's no question that he was one of the greatest talents the game, his vertical jump, his eye-hand coordination. His intensity was off the charts. Mm-hmm. And nobody worked harder. He had a work ethic that was just, and he worked the hardest in practice. He loved the games because he didn't have to work as hard. And he inspired others by his behavior. Mm-hmm. And But he was driven to win, even today when he's playing golf or anything else. He's the most competitive guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't tell you what his character strengths and weaknesses are because I don't know him. Mm-hmm. We do know that there are lots of ways to win. There are lots mm-hmm. of ways to get to the top. I don't know how mm-hmm. happy he is or how fulfilled he is. I can tell you from those, and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of superstars, and how this was played out in their lives, you know. So I can't really speak to Michael Jordan except that he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I can't speak to his happiness, to his sense of commitment to others, and how his. Uh, I know he had trouble coaching because it was, you know, very hard for him to understand why others couldn't do what he could do, and he mm-hmm. was uh, wasn't a real great team builder because he didn't have a lot of patience for other people who didn't have the commitment he did. But uh, when it came to an individual performer and stepping up in those moments of pressure, he was uncanny, very much the way Tiger Woods was when when he, he had a boatload of talent and a boatload of performance character strengths, and so did Tiger. But you you don't necessarily have, because you have one, you have the others. You can have great success and still not have much moral and ethical grounding and you can be an ethical and moral per- person and not be a great achiever. So what we're trying to do is get both sides of that equation shored up. And mm-hmm. I can't speak to someone unless we've actually had more time to actually get mm-hmm. them to, to know them on the inside. So let's let's take another another thing that I personally struggle a lot with, which is 
I'm very competitive. I love to compete and also in some ways I want to I get a lot of joy out of saying this is what I'll do and let my doubters be doubters and then go ahead and do those things. The doubters give me a lot of power, they give me a lot of excitement, focus, the sense of pursuit, the challenge, all of that becomes really fun for me. Now, is this something I should avoid doing because would that in the long term be um, um, a challenge to my, like this is becoming a very, like it would be a very extrinsically motivated world I would be living in. But at the same time, having those allows me to focus a lot more on what is important in my life, what is having that external goal allows me to just do what is important, to focus on what. So where do I draw the line here? Or is it okay for me to pursue those external? Yeah, I think uh, as if you were someone that we were working with here, the first questions that I would have is how fulfilled are you and how, uh, how meaningful uh, is all of this as it con- connects to who you are and who you're becoming and you're on a, you're on a trajectory. If this continues, where do you go? The issue that I would always want to bring back is, why are you? Uh, what, what are you? What are you trying to accomplish with your competitiveness? What is the end goal? What's the end game at the end of your life? What do you hope happens? Will you have all these titles? Will you have uh, overwhelmed all these people that told you you couldn't do it? What is the ultimate game that you're into, and and how are you going to measure success? What will be the the, the the real markers that will define for you that you had the ultimate success uh, from your perspective as a human being. So, and those those are not easily answered. I mean, it will take some time for you to work that out, but that's what we do here is to get people to look at, and it's possible for you to be fiercely competitive, but you have to make sure that you understand what the game ultimately is about for you and why it, or you end up with a sense of emptiness at the end that you told all them, you proved all the naysayers wrong. Mm-hmm. But what do you have at the end? That there has to be a, a sense of pursuit, um, a growing inside of you that becomes more values based, that you like the person you're becoming. And it all tends to fit with this higher order sense of what your life should be. And when all that comes together, it's a very powerful package, and you can still be as competitive or more so, but you're mm-hmm. doing it for the right reason. Yeah. So, just to just to expound a little bit on this topic, um, I've I've thought through a lot of these things, and what I've found is that well, the reason I get a lot of joy and kick out of of something competitive or something when someone says you can't do it and I want to do it is because I feel like you know, I was able to challenge the limits of what was possible for me. And to go beyond those and win over myself and become a better uh, human being in the process or win over what was the limitation that I thought was there. Limitations expand your own horizons. Yeah. And when you're growing, you feel like the chase is worth it. Yeah, I feel like I'm challenging my comfort zones. I'm growing. I'm becoming a bigger person, a better person. Not taking the wrong path to do those things, but just the challenge, that hunt. Well, I think you're, you know, that's exactly what we're talking about okay. here. It's, it's like... You're trying to find ways to grow Mm -hmm. and to expand your limits, and competition is one of the ways that has enabled you to do that without compromising who you really feel that you need to be to be a good person. Exactly, without compromising the values and the principles for which I stand, but still continuing down the line of saying, no, we'll we'll compete and I'll, I'll figure out a way to win. Exactly. 
Okay, that's good. That's good to know that both of them can live together rather than having to live with one or the other, um, because it haunts to just live with an extrinsic motivation without having the intrinsic motivation to be as part of the whole thing. Well, that's great. Um, I think uh, we've uh, covered this book, The Only Way to Win. Um, again, great book. We have this is a conversation that needs to become more mainstream as we as we as we move this culture forward, move this country forward about how we build character in our lives, in our you know kids' lives, in our family lives, in our business lives. So thank you very much, Jim, for the wonderful books you've written and for the great interview. Any parting piece of guidance? No, I appreciate the time we spent together, and I'm sincerely hoping that uh, this will stimulate some thinking in others, and maybe they'll move in a similar path in terms of exploring the dimensions of character. Thank you. So, my ambitious friends, I have a very important question for you. What is the single biggest indicator and predictor of success? Because in my reading of over 1,000 books, I have found out that there is one common thread, one common indicator that ties all of the greatest success stories in this world. And this is a factor that has been emphasized again and again and again in the greatest books ever written on the topic of accomplishing our goals. The greatest thinkers and achievers have all said the same thing. From Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic philosopher 2,000 years ago, to the greatest UFC fighters of today. And from champion athletes like Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan to big-time entrepreneurs like Elon Musk. So here at 2000 Books, we have created a 90-day course specifically on this topic, where we summarize 40 of the greatest books ever written on this topic. So reading these books, reading these 40 books can take you almost 250 plus hours. And if you read one hour every day, Monday through Friday, every week, this reading can take you an year. But what we have done is we have summarized the knowledge from these books into daily five to 10 minute bite-sized videos so that you can absorb a new idea or a couple of new ideas every single day and take action on them, take action on them and build them over time over a period of 90 days. So come check out this course at 2000books.com slash tough, that's T-O-U-G-H, tough, or text the word TOUGH, T-O-U-G-H, to 44222 and get more information on this course. The course is now live and you can join at any time. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside of the course.